Well, today I'm going to talk on the G attitude, and I'm not talking about gangsta. I just want you to know that. And some say G attitude, and they think, well, it's either GQ or, you know, gangster. But I'm really talking about this thing on talking gratitude attitude. Can you say gratitude attitude? That's what we're talking about today. My goal is to help you live life with more moments of gratitude. I hope that I can encourage you to do that today, not just celebrating a holiday, a day, a week of it, but a, more of an attitude of gratitude in our lives. And it's been a few years since I've taken the Sunday before Thanksgiving and talked about uh, you know, attitude, gratitude, or even thanks, but I'm going to do that today. It fits well. But you know, if you talk about gratitude, gratitude really simply is an appreciation. Attitude is a way of thinking. And so there's a theme in the Bible that appears in several places. Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. You've probably heard this many times before. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, to correct any bad teaching that you may have heard, it's not to be thankful for all circumstances, but in all circumstances, right? So I'm not typically thankful for a cloudy day, but I'm thankful inside of a cloudy day. How many of you are with me? Right? I like the sunshine. I don't know about you, but it, you can fill that blank in all day long with what you would want. To the church at Colossae in Colossians 3, 5 through 17, it says, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and as you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude. We just did that in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all through the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How many of you enjoyed worship today as we sung to the Lord? Amen, that was good stuff. Great job. Love that. We can come and express our hearts to the Lord together and lift our voices and lift our faith together. So we're going to try a little exercise today, and because sometimes during a sermon, your mind will drift. You didn't think I knew that your mind drifts? I know it drifts, and I see some of your eyes, they roll back up at the top of your head, and you're out. But, uh, but today, the idea is let your mind drift towards gratitude, not only today, but every single day. Our minds don't go there naturally, do they? You have to cultivate it like a seed. You're going to have to cultivate gratitude in your life. And here are a few categories to help. Maybe there are individuals God will bring to your mind, whether it's a family member, a coworker, it could be a teacher, or an experience that, that of your school, or your work, or travel, or a time when you were suffering and God comforted you. Think of a small gift, whether it's an encouraging word from somebody, a phone call, could have been a text, a note. Maybe it's a good night's sleep. Maybe it's food you love to eat. Maybe this gift is life-changing. Maybe it is the Bible. Maybe it is faith. Maybe it's the death of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Could be the gift of the Holy Spirit as your guide, your spiritual gifts, or right here today, your church community. Through the message, I believe that God will nudge you on things that you are thankful for that you could write down, whether it's in your phone, whether it's on a piece of paper, or whatever it may be but that you would be ready when God nudges you 
to write down what you're thankful for, to be reminded so that your mind doesn't drift. Here's the first thought. Gratitude flows from God's presence. How many of you know that more gratitude will not come from more acquisition in your life, but from more awareness of God's presence and God's goodness? And today I want to specifically talk about Christian gratitude, Jesus-shaped gratitude. This type of gratitude starts with a new worldview, a new attitude in our heart and mind. A wonderful Christian named Robert Roberts once said, there's a uniquely Christian framework for gratitude. By the way, do you think it would be hard to be grateful if your name was Robert Roberts? I'm not sure why his pants did that, but whatever. And so he says, but it's important to know what gratitude is, the perception of the good. You cannot manufacture gratitude by willpower, even though a lot of people try. Gratitude is a byproduct of the way of seeing things, a certain worldview, and it always involves three factors. So if you're taking notes, it involves three factors. These factors come from the old Latin word bene, B-E-N-A, which means good. Gratitude always involves three benes. First, gratitude involves benefit. Can you say benefit? In order for me to be grateful and you to be grateful, I have to receive a gift I must perceive it's a good thing for me to receive. I must find it favorable. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. Right now, I believe God's speaking to you. You probably should have written something down while I read that. Or now you will, because this is power-packed. Forget not all of the Lord's benefits to you. He forgave your sins. Amen. Did he heal your diseases and sicknesses? Amen. Who redeems your life from the pit. You guys are already better because the first crowd sat there and looked at me like deer in the headlights. And I drank a lot of coffee this morning. So I believe you're with me, church. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. Who redeems your, because being tired is a poor excuse before God. Oh, snap. Let's get away from that. Crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desire with good things. Now, as we're writing this down, here's what I want to try to help you think today. Gratitude requires that we recognize them and know that they're good. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world we live in. You are rich. Well, I don't feel rich. You are rich. If you can read your Bible, you are more fortunate than 3 billion people in the world who cannot read at all. You are blessed. The second factor of gratitude is benefactor. Can you say that word with me? Benefactor. Benevolence means to will the good. Benefactor, which is related to our word factory, means one who does good. To be grateful, you must believe not just the benefits are coming your way, but they did not come by accident. They came on purpose for your life. They came from somebody, and you must believe this benefactor has good intentions towards you. So if I'm to be a grateful person, I must believe that about God. The writers of the Bible are very convinced of God blessing them. James 1.17. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from where? 
that's right, above, that comes down from the Father of heavenly, heavenly lights. This is his expression of goodness. A good God exists, and he's always giving to us. There's a third element that contributes to gratitude. There has to be a benefit, benefactor, and there has to be a beneficiary. Can you say that word with me? Beneficiary. One who receives the good, that's you. You and I are the beneficiary of the benefits of God who has our best interest. You know if you, got, you have a God in heaven, and so do I, that has your best interest at heart all the time? All the time. All the time. They are flowing to you. So every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, right? And that's so true for our lives. And so gratitude involves this. Another thought, gratitude grows in humility. It always involves a posture of humility. And if I believe that I'm owed something, I will not be thankful for it because I'm entitled to it. If you just give me a car for no reason, I'm going to say thank you. That is amazing. I'm overwhelmed. I appreciate it amongst the many things. If I pay the fair market value for the car when you hand me the keys, I would say, okay. But I won't say thank you for this incredible gift. I'm overwhelmed. That's true. But, but I bought it, so I'm owed it. And so are you. The sinful human race is naturally entitled. We believe that our rights and our gifts rightfully belong to us. So the more we think we're entitled, the less grateful we will be. So why do people who keep getting more and more show less and less gratitude? The bigger that our sense of entitlement becomes, the smaller our sense of gratitude will be. My sinful mind can convince me I'm entitled to anything that I want, right? That is our human minds at work. And, and if I don't get it, then somebody else messed up my blessing. You know, they owe me and they ought to pay me for it. And so this has led to a proliferation of lawsuits. We live in a world full of lawsuits nowadays. If I don't get something that I really want, then I'm going to sue somebody. You know you live in that day, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So the San Francisco Giants were sued a few years ago for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only because everybody wanted the Father's Day gifts. A psychic was awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan impaired her psychic abilities. And you got to wonder about this one. If she really was a psychic... Shouldn't she have known not to go to the doctor in the first place? Right? You're with me, right? So in a Christian framework, ingratitude is not just a psychological problem. It's not just an impoverishment of my emotional experience. The Bible calls it sin. Paul says ingratitude is the hallmark of a life opposed to God. If you're a parent... You didn't, when your children were little, hope that your kids would grow up and be ingracious, right? They would not have gratitude, no. Speaking about people living opposed to God, Romans 121 says this, for although they knew God, they knew God. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. Chapter one of Romans is so power-packed for the day and age that we live in about a culture that's living in Babylon, like we are. Because he went on to say that they went after idols, and that's where he said, well, they continued. Men wanted men, and women wanted women, so I gave them over to their natural desires. 
Wow, that's a power-packed verse inside of there. See, in gratitude, the opposition to God of what he has blessed us with, that we would recognize that. The Bible's word from gratitude is grumbling. Paul says that grumbling is the quintessential mindset, that life without God. Now, you may say grumbling, well, what? Complaining or whining? You ever heard of a church person grumbling? They're not allowed to raise their hand. You can't raise your hand. You and I can be lured away from God by grumbling quicker than almost anything else. Because let me tell you something, God takes this seriously. Paul heard about a spirit of complaint in the church of Corinth. So he wrote to them about how Israel grumbled on Mount Sinai. Remember Israel? They grumbled on Mount Sinai. They did in the Old Testament. God was so good to the Israelites. If you read at this, he gave them freedom, took care of them, gave them the Ten Commandments, led them to the promised land, but they grumbled in response. They were not grateful for what they had. Paul says to the church of Corinth, and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. How many of you are going to stop grumbling right now? That's an incentive, right? You stop doing that. He says, you know, you've got to stop doing that. When a heart is filled with gratitude, there's no room for negative attitudes. Negativity and gratitude cannot grow in the same person. One of them has to go. But if your gratitude is growing, it is pushing out the negative attitudes in your life. Third thought, gratitude leads to a life of blessing. Jesus knew what it was like to live in gratitude. His way of life can teach us how to live a great life and a great experiment. Every devout Jewish person was devoted to two daily forms of prayer. So what I'd like to do today is just rewind a little bit before we get to the end on what took place in early Judaism. That is our root system in Christianity. Did you know that? Judaism. And so you go back to the Shema, the first words in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. What's the Shema? It's the prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That was the daily discourse of early Judaism. They did that because he is our great benefactor. They would pray that every single day. The other form of prayer was what was called the 18, or its complete title, the 18 benedictions. And so there it is again, benedictions. Again, if you looked at this, you break benediction up. Diction means words or speech. Good words, in Hebrew, a benediction was any prayer that began with the word bless. To bless is to speak good to somebody else. They always wanted to speak good, to bless, to thank God, and they would do this constantly. See, we need an understanding of this in the day and age we live. In the morning, they would wake up and pray the 18. They would say, blessed are you, O God. At night, at night blessed are you, O God. In the middle of the day, they would, blessed are you, O God, who, who abundantly forgives constantly throughout the day. They would enrich that simple phrase. Rabbis would teach their followers how to expand on it. Blessed are you, Lord, who heals the sick. That they remembered that I have a body and I've been sick and God is the one who is behind my health. Blessed are you who sustains the living and raises the dead. I have hope now. They were training for gratitude. That's a, that's a G attitude. They, they love doing this because the good life involves gratitude. And gratitude doesn't come when we get more stuff. If that was the case, all of America should be really happy and joyful because we have a lot of stuff. 
but it hasn't made us any more happier. Right? It's the great insane folly of our day. Gratitude comes when you see reality. All benefits come from a wonderful benefactor of which you and I are the grace-given beneficiaries of him. They would pray at the temple regularly. Scripture tells us that they would go and pray and they would pray there and they would bless God and they would give the Lord thanks and as expression of praise. The Lord's prayer is the 18 in summary form. If you go look at it, sometimes rabbis used to talk about how to pray the 18 in summary form. They would expand on our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, blessed be your name. They would pray the Lord's prayer three times a day. It was there for the... The early church, it was there, but gratitude did not stop with the 18. Every meal was an occasion to express gratitude. Food was not eaten until people stopped and remembered that it was a gift. They didn't just inhale it. A rabbi said a man must not taste anything until he has blessed it. They weren't so much blessing the food, they were blessing God who gave the food. So whenever we bless the food, we actually bless God. That's amazing. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Everything's a gift. They were so serious about gratitude that certain rabbis believe if you forgot to bless God for this great gift of food, you had to go back to where you ate your meal and thank him for it. So how many of you really love Chick-fil-A? I mean, is that a blessing? I mean, that is a blessing. I mean, I I like it. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Um, That that you're so blessed. So if if you you went and now now you and I can't go to Chick Fil A today, so don't go. I'm sorry. If you get to tomorrow, you'll have to go. They're they're closed today because it's a corporation that honors God. Bless God. Amen. So so that's a good thing. But if you went there and you ate an amazing chicken sandwich with waffle fries, all right, so, and, and you didn't pray, and you left, and you made your way all the way back home, they said in that day, you'd have to make your way all the way back, go back to the very place that you sat in. I'm sorry, you're going to have to get up for a moment. <laughs> Lord, thank you for this meal, right? I mean, this is true stuff that they really incorporated and held people accountable to live by. Isn't it amazing? We live in a culture that's so much diametrically opposed to gratitude and giving God thanks for what he has bestowed upon us. Thank you, God. Thank you. So before you even digest the food, thank you. We bless you. We'll be people of gratitude. Every different item, when you talked in early Judaism, before they even ate it, they would pronounce a unique blessing upon it. You bless God for the bread. Then you bless God when the figs go in and when the figs come out. I mean, thank God it went in, but it has to come out. Thank God it did come out. So that was true. I mean, I'm not making this up. Then the wine comes in, the wine goes out, you know. And then if you're lucky enough to have meat, you bless him for the meat when it goes in and when it comes out. I mean, you know. It's a great principle to live by. And so... The rabbis would say, he who enjoys anything from creation, which is without blessing, commits misuse. It's a form of theft if you didn't thank God for it. It's a form of theft. Why? Because you think you did that by your own hand? That we think we did this by our success and our titles? No, this thing's from God. 
Remember, Jesus showed the way. Jesus took the bread, and when he had given what? Thanks. He broke it. Later, the same meal. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, they drank it. In our day, sometimes we pray very quickly over a meal. You know, there's been a few times where as our family's been at a table at a restaurant, and I'm sure it's happened to you that you take the time to bow your heads and pray that it, very few times people have come over and said, I recognize you took the time to pray. If you don't think that's making a difference on people, you're mistaken. Take the time to pray, even in public. Come on, don't be ashamed of the one that's given you blessing. Amen? It didn't come from us, so God's good. So this is important. That's why the psalmist said, I bless God every chance that I get. See how this was in their life. I bless God every chance I get. Maybe you found yourself doing that throughout the day. Man, you got something. You got a blessing. And you say, God, thank you for the blessing. That's just what it takes, you know. You're driving down the road. Don't shut your eyes, but thank the Lord and give him blessing, right? Thank you, God, for this blessing that you have given to me. Thank you. I bless you. They would thank him for the blessing for the lamps. Lamps, yes, because they knew light in the world is a gift. We could be living in darkness. They said, let, God said, let there be light. So they'd say, bless you, God, the Father of all lights. They had blessings for comets. They had blessings for the ocean. Thank you, God, for the ocean. Thank you for the valleys. Thank you for the mountains. Disciples would follow the rabbis around. They never knew when another blessing would come, and they always wanted to learn, how do I bless God for that? There are stories of them following the rabbi around when he went in the bushes to go to the bathroom. This is a true story. I'm not making this one up because they wanted to know, is there going to be a blessing after the rabbi goes to the bathroom? And so the, the rabbi Abaya, this is, this is written down, blessed are you, O Lord, who has formed man in wisdom and created in him many orifices as many cavities. <laughs> now, some of you are like, that is the strangest thing I heard. Well, let me tell you something. It's funny. Uh, that, that may sound a little funny, but it's even crazier when those things aren't working. You will really be praying to God and thanking him that they will work. And, and the rabbis would say, shame on you for thinking you are so proper that any part of your existence is too undignified to thank God. See, I think many times in church, we've gotten professional praise and worship down. We're, we're good professionals. We can put on a good mask. Well, what is the expression? What is the physiology of your life saying that you can express it? Or are you too dignified? to express honest, heartfelt praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who gave you your very own existence. Lastly, gratitude arises in imperfection. In particular, we're to bless God for people, all people. A life with God has a lot to do with people. Isn't that true? You bet. We have relationships all the way around us. In our lives, we should thank God for people we get along with, don't get along with. Thank you, God. Life with God will help me and you learn to be grateful for imperfect people and imperfect circumstances. You know, that's so true. Gratitude is the byproduct of a spiritual reality. As we train ourselves to live in this reality, our job is to place our minds in the presence of God and to surrender our will to that, then we'll, we, we will remember to pray and bless God, you're right there. We don't carry the weight of this whole world on our shoulders. Thank you, God, that we are alive. Thank you that we have bodies. 
Thank you for this world. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Now, if you and I wait for perfect people in perfect circumstances to be grateful, we are going to be waiting a long time. How many of you know it won't be perfect this side of eternity? So you might as well just break your praise out right now. You might as well just break that praise out and bless the Lord because we are imperfect beings. Being transformed by God means learning to see ways in which God is at work, even in the bad. Because scripture tells us, Romans 8, 28, for I know that in all things God is at work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The rabbi would say, only God knows for sure what will turn out to produce good. That's true. A lot of times, though, isn't it true that we go through painful, hard, bad circumstances, and we say, I wish I wasn't going through this, but then we'll look back and say, oh, God, I'm so grateful that I didn't miss that. Right? We bless God all the time, giving thanks. That's what he says you to do in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. So the grateful life with God is the best opportunity ever offered to the human race. It's a great experiment. So it's running day by day by day because life really is laboratory, living it out. He, he, he got asked, how much will this man, this, this woman, allow me to carry during an hour of suffering? And if we don't answer this question well, we will miss the reason for our lives. You know, I'm not sure if you've heard of this book, the Book of Common Prayers. It's out there, but... We owe our ultimate gratitude for God's ultimate gift. And it says, Almighty God, Father of all mercies, all the benefits, all the mercies, we, your unworthy servants, that phrase grates in our culture like anything else. We don't use it. But if I think of myself as an entitled master, I will never be grateful. I'll miss out on God's desire for my life that I'm a creature and I'm a sinner. I am unworthy, Lord. I am your humble servant. And he goes on, we bless you for our creation, our preservation, all the blessings of this life, but above all, your love and the redemption of our world by our Lord Jesus Christ. We're glad for our friends, for our houses, our cars, our success, our money, when it comes our way, for our jobs if we have them, but their absence does not prevent us from being ungrateful for God's greatest gift. So above all, followers of Jesus, in plenty and in need, In palaces and in prison, thank God for his gift of Jesus, his matchless life, his unrivaled teachings, his sacrificial death, his triumphant resurrection. Blessed are you, O Lord. It's a great prayer. The book, The Hiding Place, you've heard, you've maybe seen the movie, is the story of Corey Ten Boom, her sister Betsy, and their father who hid Jews in their home during World War II. They were eventually found out taken to the concentration camps to live under despicable conditions. The sisters were placed in barracks 28 where Corey despaired of hope. Betsy suggested that they give thanks, that it would encourage their hearts, and Corey said that she could give thanks for everything but the fleas in the room, which were everywhere and were horrible to live with. As the days wore on, Corey and Betsy had the freedom to talk to other prisoners, read the Bible with them, and minister without interference. And one day, a prisoner asked a guard to settle a dispute, and the guard said, that place is crawling with fleas. I am not stepping through the door. 
Corey realized why they had been given such liberties in that place to be able to propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the fleas were instruments of God. Who knew? God. See, stop fighting the circumstances and acknowledge God's participating presence in them. Give thanks. And by doing that, you have God's involvement in the circumstances as imperfect as they are in your life and in mine. Two experiments. Practical. Maybe it's a gratitude letter that you would like to write. Maybe it would be, think of somebody who's impacted your life for good, somebody you've known for quite a while. It could be a friend, mentor, encourager, somebody who's made you a different person. Take your time and write them a letter. Maybe it's 300 words or so, and you get that on paper and meet up with them and tell them how much they mean to you and why you're grateful for God for them. Before you do this, I want to just say a couple things. You can't do this to someone who could benefit you financially because that wouldn't be good. You should have no mixed motives with this. It could be someone you're hoping, you say, well, I'm hoping to date them. You can't do that with them either. Let's not go there. That would not be wise. But, but choose it to give it to somebody that would be surprised by it because they've done something great in your life. I guarantee you if you do this, you're, you'll be more joyful than, than, than even the week before. Second, second, second experiment, write your own benedictions. Starting with 18, you say, well, that's just overwhelming. So maybe tonight or maybe when you go home, you write down four blessings from which you're grateful to God for. You might want to use blessed are you, O Lord, the, the ancient Israelites, they used that benediction. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gave me this friend I love. You fill in the blank. Blessed are you, O Lord. See, a benediction has blessings. Blessing, blessing. So uh, how many of you ever wake up in the morning and you feel grumpy? Yeah, 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 you're right. So, you know, and so it's, it's crazy because there are two kinds of people in the world, people who love to wake up in the morning and the people who hate people who love to wake up in the morning. Just so you know that and all of that. But, you know, sometimes it's not the best place to do that. Maybe it's when you're in the right mindset or before bed. So um, it, it's not it's not about feeling grateful because we live in a world full of feelings and they've in us it's just not a way to operate your life. Well, when I'm feeling this way, I'll do it. Well, that won't happen. But my job is to show up and remember it and say thank you. So I encourage you to maybe try one of these experiments or something that God gave you during this time, so that I would tell you that that it's not going to be perfect this side of heaven, and you know that. You're all old enough to know this. Some of you are a lot older than I am, and you know this well. You've been through difficulties. So it's not going to be perfect this side of heaven. So, so just start now by giving your benedictions to the Lord. Start now by blessing the Lord. Start now by blessing the Lord in your prayer time, in, in front of your children, in front of your families. Start to bless God so that they can hear you bless the author and the creator the beginning to the end of your faith so they can hear it from your lips so that they would carry that on because we're supposed to carry it on and help our next generation do this to bless God. Amen.